What is up guys? Welcome to episode 30 of the Triage Method podcast. We're just back from the beautiful city of Zurich in Switzerland after a romantic weekend away. Did you enjoy yourself, Patty? Yeah, it was beautiful. My the actual highlight of the trip was when in the middle of the night you tried to hold my hand um, while you were fast asleep. It was re- it was really really romantic like. I can see how that would be the highlight. People dream of that shit. Well, clearly you were dreaming of that shit. <laughs> clearly. Anyway, why were we in Zurich? Ah, we just wanted a little break. We were just doing a, a study session. Now we we're on a we we're on a course for the weekend. So we we're on the functional range conditioning course with Dewey and Hunter of the functional anatomy seminars it's actually the name of their total brand which is owned by um dr andrea spina so we were on a mobility type of workshop and we're now uh frc mobility specialists um so yeah we're just wizards now basically but yeah we were there to learn and to get practical and stuff and it was a fun weekend did you enjoy it yeah it was all right i thought it would be i don't know maybe if i'd gone to the course eight years ago i would have been like this is mind-blowing stuff this is fucking amazing this is this is this is revolutionary but they pretty much just talked about all the stuff we talked about already yeah and uh, to be fair i think we kind of you kind of i guess should expect that at this point but i i don't think we did i suppose it's because you hear such good reviews from things that you expect that it's going to be like completely game-changing but it just depends on what you've been exposed to previously like I suppose a lot of the stuff is things you will have, you guys will have heard us talk about, you know, things like how active range of motion isn't the same with passive range of as range of motion, the difference between mobility and flexibility and how you should be strong in the ends of your ranges. Like you guys have heard us talk about that many a time. And I think that's kind of <clears throat> a lot of their stuff is centered around that. And like, obviously we are saying that it is excellent because it is in line with our thought process so we're not saying it's bad. We're just saying that it's not, it wasn't revolutionary for us at this point in time. But I would say it's worthwhile if you are a new personal trainer. Like if you're a personal trainer getting into the industry and you want to expose yourself to a pretty good way of looking at mobility and stuff and escaping a lot of the bullshit around foam rolling and poor stretching practices, etc. Or if you're someone who just maybe doesn't have a clue where to start thinking about that sort of stuff. I think like you would get value if you were to go to that course then. Would you agree? Yeah, I'd agree. Although I think it is somewhat missing a step. And I think that step is filled with one of their other courses, which is probably should be a requisite for doing the functional rank range conditioning course that we did. Uh, and that is their functional assessment course. I think it's called. Yeah. Functional um, range assessment. Because like that that was essentially a system like their system of increasing and expanding well basically strengthening the end range um so that was their system however the majority of people don't fall down in understanding how to get people strong the majority of people fall down in their understanding of biomechanics or understanding of anatomy and that's why some systems appear to be almost magical so obviously we haven't done their functional Mm -hmm. assessment so one would presume that that is kind of what it goes into if you've heard us talk about before 
like the, the framework that I always use is that kind of identify, isolate, integrate, and then improvise. And the vast majority of people fall down on the identification part of that, you know, and this course was more so the isolation part of that continuum. You know, they, they essentially what they are is hyper specialists in that end range, which is exactly what they, they market themselves as. They, they market themselves as whatever you want to call it, even though they did make a delineation between it, the flexibility, mobility coaches. Like that, that's what they are seen to be, you know? So it makes sense that they are hyper specialists in this end range of motion because where do you feel tight? It's when you get to the end range of motion that you have available to you or if there is this deficit between your active range and passive range that is not necessarily a, we'll call it a contraction issue. It's a, yeah, it's a strength issue. So I suppose you would call it a contraction issue, you know? So that, that's what they're essentially doing. They're essentially getting you stronger in these end ranges of motion, which will enable you to be more flexible and more mobile. And again, they do delineate between it, which is always a good delineation to make. Like flexibility is that kind of passive range. And then that mobility is that kind of active range. So, you know, some people will have the fle flexibility to get into a splits but they won't have the mobility to get into the splits. Like they can physically get down, I could push them into the splits, but they don't have the strength to get themselves into the splits or be comfortable in the splits. You know, they're not strong in that position. So that would, you know, indicate that that deficit between that active range and that passive range. And you've heard us talk about it before with different things, especially more so related to resistance training stuff because obviously that is more so our realm but essentially the, the course was just a, an added tool to the toolbox in my opinion it wasn't anything revolutionary but having said that that is working on the framework that we already talk about you know the the biomechanics the anatomy stuff and the fact that i've already done a lot of end range conditioning myself because I wanted to have the splits. I wanted to have a forward splits. I wanted to have a box splits. And to do that, you have to get both flexible and mobile. So I've already played around with tools and their tool of choice is essentially some isometric strengthening, some what they call like eccentric neural grooving, uh, which, which is actually something that I really like. Like they didn't make that up, um, but that's, that's what they branded. They, well, they didn't make isometrics up either. <laughs> um, but they're eccentric neural grooving. That's something that I actually really like in terms of getting people strong. And, and like we've even talked about it on this podcast. Like personal trainers do it all the time, even though they may not call it that. Like we talked about, or I talked about in one of those uh, triage discussions uh, about chin ups and, you know, like doing 10 second eccentrics. And essentially that's all it is, you know getting strong in that eccentric range of motion, all they're doing is biasing where you get strong towards that end range of motion, you know? Um, and then they do some sort of, even though it, it kind of confused me because they said at the start of the course, they kind of like bagged on PNF a little bit, uh, saying like, oh, it's kind of not useless, but, you know, it's just a trick. And then the stuff they were doing was basically PNF. What are your thoughts on that, Gary? What, the PNF thing or the rest of it? Yeah, the, the PNF thing. <laughs> um, like, realistically, 
a lot of a lot of stretching stuff, a lot of end range stuff. It's literally just an issue of branding and semantics. Like you can say something that is not PNF. You can say something isn't PNF, and then watch some people put it into practice like their form of PNF, and it'll look the same. Some people it'll be different. Like a lot of the differences that you will see in relation to certain practices that people use to increase ranges of motion, um, at least acutely, will be like the the time application. Like that people will literally brand something based purely on the time that they hold something for. Like for example, like if you look at PNF, right, that's proprioceptive neuromuscular facilitation. And if you look at that, there's also different types of stretching that I've seen on or stretching or isometric style stuff on two other courses I've been on and this course. And they're all kind of branded in a slightly different way, but they're all like very similar. Like acutely, it is some degree of a quote unquote nervous system trick in that you are manipulating the nervous system in some sort of way acutely to reduce its kind of, I guess, protection of that range of motion, like acutely. And then long term, like any sort of range of motion improvement is going to come from uh, either an, an increase in strength or an increase in your nervous system's ability to allow you that range of motion. So like, I just think we need to stop focusing on just putting names on things and just saying things like saying it, it as it is like, like, what are you trying to achieve? And what are you actually doing to achieve that? Like, overall, I just don't like methods like we've said it before, we don't even like, like, sometimes the idea of exercises having names is a bit of a misnomer, because you know, like, like you were talking about the chin up article, um, a minute ago, like in, in that article, you were talking about how like you have to have certain prerequisites to be able to perform a certain type of chin up. And you will, you guys will have heard that on the podcast many a time where we've talked about certain things you are required to have to perform a certain exercise. And all of that is a means of us coming back to principle based thinking, removing the actual methods and then building the methods based on that triage process. Hence the name of our business triage method triage comes before the method always. Um, so, so it's just the exact same with that sort of, stretching semantics like you go to these courses sometimes and they all kind of bash on other modes that are actually very similar where the only difference might be oh we hold it for 30 seconds whereas they hold it for 10 seconds and therefore they're stupid um, and I think it can kind of confuse people because if you don't have the prerequisite understanding of maybe all right what actually allows someone an increase in mobility like how does this whole nervous system thing how does that how does that work with the muscular system to let all this happen if you don't have that knowledge you fall into the trap of getting tied to methods where you go to, let's say, FRC and you hear, you, you see their copyrighted terminology for a certain thing and you're like, all right, I'm going to do that. And then you go on the next course and then the next course bashes FRC and then you, you're not realizing that it's all kind of very similar, which is why I guess it wasn't revolutionary for, for us because we have some to some degree put in the groundwork to understand these things from a, a principle level. So overall, like, I guess I'm have to go in a, a bit of a tangent. FRC was a great course, but a lot of courses are great. But I feel what's more important is that people start to think about principles and to some degree mechanisms, because I don't think you need to understand the mechanis- mechanisms of everything. But if you understand the mechanisms as to how someone improves their range of motion, you actually don't fall into as many of the traps. You know, whether you go and sign up with functional patterns or you sign up with gymnastic bodies or you sign up with FRC or you go to all these different companies that are all of their own methods you understand the principles. Yeah, and again, I think they do answer that somewhat in their functional assessment course. Well, 
Yeah. We obviously haven't done it, so we, we can't really comment on that. But I, I, I think mm-hmm. from what I've heard online, they do go a bit more in-depth into the, the kind of biomechanics, the anatomy stuff. So you have a bit more of a layered understanding of, well, we'll call it the science behind it. But I, I, we were actually saying it kind of jokingly while we were away, but a lot of this stuff is actually very intuitive in insofar as, like if you have a deficit in a range of motion and we'll say, for example, your, your hamstrings are quote unquote tight you know, and getting your quads stronger and actually being able to fully contract your quads is going to facilitate your hamstrings getting longer because to fully contract your quads, your hamstrings have to be able to fully lengthen. You know, especially if you do something like a quad extension where you've got like hip hip flexion there as well as knee extension, you know, you're getting the quad very short. So intuitively, if you are clued in as to what is going on in, in the body, you would go, well, if I want to make my hamstrings longer, uh, that they're tight or whatever, you know, maybe strengthening the antagonistic muscle is going to be a good idea. And then you go, okay, well, I can only do that so far uh, because obviously the hamstring is tight right now. So I can't just force it. It's not going to just go, oh yeah, I contracted my quads, it loosened out. So then you have to go, I'm going to do some work on actually lengthening this muscle. And then how do you go about lengthening it? And this is essentially their method is getting strong in that end range of motion, doing, we'll call them nervous system tricks, although I, I kind of agree with that in terms of it's a nervous system trick, but it's also it's training itself. Like there's no difference between that in my opinion and someone working up to like a heavy single or something before they get into their heavier, heavier sets. Like all they're trying to do is elicit some sort of nervous system stuff going on so that they can train more effectively. So that's what they're doing with, with their stuff. They're kind of like, let's, let's contract as hard as we can in this, uh, shortened range we'll just say for whatever or the lengthened range or whatever it is this end range position and let's contract as hard as we can in this the antagonistic muscle in to that to that stretch and you know hopefully we'll see some adaptations by getting strong in those two positions there you know and they kind of bias it towards body weight stuff we'll call it that which kind of confused me as well to an extent because like they didn't actually discuss gravity which I was like, well, like obviously depending on where you are with these positions, like it just just contracting your muscle as hard as you can, not even as hard as you can, 60, 70, whatever percent, uh, without discussing gravity, like obviously th- th- that makes a huge difference, you know, and didn't kind of touch on that at all. But again, I'm going to presume that they do kind of go a bit more in-depth in their assessment course and their, their other courses, which talk a bit more about my biomechanics and and uh, anatomy as a whole um but yeah that kind of i was like "Mm, like this is this is a bit strange but the one thing that kind of got me as well was people who like the the course is full of trainers right and they got them to do like a hamstring essentially hamstring curl you know and to get that that hamstring very short and people were cramping and going ah this is so this is terrible and it's like that's that's how you're supposed to do a, a hamstring curl like on the machine like you're supposed to get strong in that shortened range you're supposed to be able to and especially if you've set it up or the machine is set up to give you a nice bit of drop off 
in, in that shortened range. And it, it kind of confused me why people were like cramping out and being very weak and like kind of like shaking loads. And it's like, this is, this is how you're supposed to be training when you're doing your resistance training stuff. And this is why, you know, people add bands or at least why people should be adding bands to, you know, match that kind of resistance profile with the strength profile of the, the muscle, you know? So what are, what are your thoughts on that, Gary? Um, yeah, like I, th- like I think the, the important thing to, to get from what we're saying is that we're not saying that FRC was in any way a bad course or suboptimal course. Rather, I think like the big thing that's missing when people go to these courses and that they're, they're completely blown away is that your fundamental like basics of understanding exercise should be like a knowledge of anatomy and a knowledge of exercise mechanics slash biomechanics because like if you're not there you don't have that uh, like you could literally like come on a call with one of us and we could blow your mind right now with a load of shit and you'll be like holy shit or certain experiences in the gym like doing certain exercises that feel hard but if you don't understand why they're hard again you're going to be blown away so like i think before you ever start thinking about this stuff you should start you should like if you're a trainer obviously i'm not saying everyone needs to understand this but if you're a trainer your basics should be anatomy and exercise mechanics because if you're not there, you don't understand that. There's no point delving into all these different methods because you you don't you don't know the basics. You don't know you know where to even start. So there does have to be that kind of leveling up of your thought process. Um, part of which should probably come from your personal training qualification, but very often doesn't, um, and does require you to do some further learning. But to to your point, like uh, yeah, that that was something that me and you talked about a lot. But I think a lot of it comes from like our own way of talking about training is maybe different to some people. Like we always talk about like active range of motion. Like you're probably sick of us talking about it. Like we talk about the passive range of motion and we talk about training in throughout your full range. Like you'll have heard us talk about leg curls where most people come to the top of a lying leg curl, they lift up their hips. And that's essentially a way of you cheating out of getting into the fully shortened range. And that's like that. You can see that in practice, the fact that you never trained there, if you then go and do a body weight leg curl with your hip fully extended and you cramp up immediately in a range that you probably look like you're working in on a leg curl. So I think if you just understand this stuff on that fundamental anatomy and exercise mechanics level, there's actually not, not much that's, that's really going to surprise you because like you alluded to as well, like there was no mention of gravity and like, I'm going to side with them and say that they're probably expecting that trainers are going to come to these seminars understanding the basics of resistance profiles, strength profiles, etc., which essentially form your understanding of exercise. Um, so like if you go to that and you, and you realize that, all right, if I lift my hip out to the side into abduction and then I begin to internally rotate that hip, it's going to be fucking challenging at the top. And I'm making it more difficult as I get weaker into the into full internal rotation with muscles that are just not primed to produce a lot of force then like me and you are going to be like oh yeah obviously that's going to be really difficult i don't expect to be very strong there especially if i don't go there very often but if you're someone that doesn't understand like resistance profiles or the strength profile of a muscle how we produce force maybe even the muscles that are actually involved in producing that internal rotation then you're probably going to be like oh my god this is something i'm ridiculously weak at whereas it's like Ah, yeah, there's a degree of weakness, but there's a degree as well of this actually being a poor exercise and that a body weight internal rotation is not an effective way of manipulating the resi- or, or, or not an effective resistance profile for the muscles producing force. And like we also had the conversation as well. Like I know you you haven't done the course, but you 
are very aware of the material. And like I've done the resistance training specialist course, RTS. Like I've been on there three modules for the upper lower upper and lower limb and spine. Um, which obviously built on the fact that I am also studying physiotherapy. So I've learned anatomy, like I've studied biomechanics in and out of college. So it built on that. Like if you go to those core, if you understand all that stuff and you you go to RTS, like what RTS does is essentially teach personal trainers how to understand exercise mechanics. And like we, we built exercises on RTS for hip internal rotation, but we did so using cables like we use resistance just like you would for any other muscle group and we did so using cables that essentially you manipulate the resistance profile to match the force production capabilities of those muscles and like the thing i really like about rts and why i would always recommend that someone would do rts before something like frc which i think is more method based is that like michael who teaches it in london he teaches you the principles and then essentially the goal of the exercise like designing exercise thereafter is let's build exercises based on principles and let's just explore this stuff so like you go off into groups let's build an exercise for internal rotation you know the principles now build the exercise rather than just it being a body weight based thing which in michael gulen's eyes would be a pretty shit exercise um so yeah like that that's my overall thought process like understand the principles as opposed to just the methods and you won't have your mind blown and need to spend quite as much money on going to courses that sell you different methods, even though I'm still saying FRC is probably worth doing if you have the prerequisite knowledge of anatomy and exercise mechanics. Yeah, like I, like I said, they are essentially hyper-specialists, you know? So, like, if you if you want to be a hyper-specialist, they've, they've just niched down and gone, this is the range that we want to get strong in. This is the range that we want to train people in. Like, I saw, or well, I heard, like, I overheard uh, Hunter talking about, like, he only trains people in mobility stuff like he basically only trains people to expand their ranges of motion expand their control in their end ranges of motion and he refers people out to do their other training and stuff like that and i'm kind of like like yeah i can like i can understand why like if that's the kind of stuff that fucking wakes you up in the morning you're like this i love this shit i love seeing people get strong expand their ranges like why would you waste your time training other stuff like i'm not going to train endurance runners to endurance run solely because that's that's not what we kind of do like we're looking at that more holistic health approach you know that's not to say we don't have runners and stuff but that's not like we're not just going oh it's just all about the miles you know that's we're we're not that hyper specialized and that kind of in my eyes like i I like a slightly more generalist approach where like we kind of do we're looking at getting strong in all your ranges of motion like we've said it before like get strong as fuck in all your ranges of motion, you know. Um, I, I kind of prefer that stuff where you have this, again, that kind of framework of the identify, isolate, integrate, and improvise. Like they've just gone for, they understand the identification stuff. Well, I presume they do. We haven't been on their, their course that it supposedly goes through that. But from the way they're talking, from the way they mm-hmm. explain stuff, it would appear that they do, you know. Um, so... They've essentially gone for, they've, okay, we've got the identification stuff. Now we're going to go to the isolation stuff. And they've gone, okay, cool. We're going to really hyper-specialize down into this isolation stuff in these end ranges of motion. And that's where they've stayed. And then they just refer out for like other isolation stuff, which would be your kind of resistance training. Um, 
in, in, in your mid ranges of motion or somewhat in your end ranges of motion, depending on the exercises you're doing. And they've just got nothing. We were fair out for that. Like we just stay in this, this very niche down, narrow down, hyper-specialized end range of motion conditioning, you know? Um, but then I'm kind of like, oh, well, then you never get into this integration stuff, which is the more complex movements, even though they themselves, themselves even, uh, that's where their practice lies. Like I know your man uh, Dewey said that he does Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and uh, does mountain running, I think he said, I'm not sure. Um, and Hunter does does enjoy actually training. We'll, we'll call them tricks. You know, like he, he actually does enjoy that kind of stuff where he, well, I presume he just enjoys it. Maybe he's just doing it for the gram. Who the fuck knows? Um, but like he actually likes training this kind of integrated stuff where he's actually moving a bit more. He's actually doing different movements, yoga poses, that kind of stuff. And he also does, you know, rock climbing, all that kind of stuff. Um, and uh, they, they never really get into the improvised stuff, although they do obviously touch on that in some practices that they do, like I said, like rock climbing and, you know, mountain running. Um, but they... But their 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 practice is kind of in that improvisation stuff. Although their the the stuff that they train clients in and the people that they train, they train them in that very hyper specialized, focused, narrow range of improving that end range conditioning. Again, that's what that's that's what gets them off. That's what they enjoy doing. So I can understand why they do it. However, in in my kind of opinion, I'm like why. Like, why do you need to be such a specialist? And I obviously do understand that there needs to be specialists in the field because obviously it it distinguishes you. It allows you to market yourself more effectively, get the clients you want. But in my eyes, I'm like, you should be able to do it all. And all it is is strengthening people in ranges and expanding the ranges that they have, which is just what strength training is all about, you know, or at least is what it should all be a bit. Would you agree? Um, yes. Like, uh, like I just, like personally, I just think that, that strength training, resistance training is like, it, it is what it is. Like a lot of the stuff that we do, like a leg extension, for example, like that strengthens your quadriceps, your unique sensors in their fully shortened range. Like, you know, you can, you can spend all the time in the world trying to look for another inch, maybe that that you can you can shorten those quadriceps in knee flex or hip flexion, for example. So you can get your leg that little bit higher as you flex your quadriceps into the shortened range. Like you can fight for that, you can train for that. But man, if that is taking away from your time that could be spent actually gaining true strength in your quadriceps and hypertrophy in your quadriceps, then I don't see that as being an efficient use of your time because especially if we look at aging populations, because this is typically where people kind of, I guess, um, exaggerate the importance of quote unquote mobility, you know, that people use, lose their joint ranges as they get older. But realistically, like it's not necessarily the extreme ranges that people lose that, that are, that are actually the issue. It's more so the fact that oh, people lose, like terminal knee extension, the last couple of degrees, they lose quadriceps strength, 
the their quadriceps begin to atrophy and obviously i'm just focusing on the quads here um their knee joint begins to kind of degenerate to a degree and it's not it's not able to withstand the same level of force because their muscles are getting weaker etc etc like all that stuff is a really big priority so the way i look at it is like and like obviously I, i've i've worked with these clinical populations like in hospitals on placement and you see these people and a squat from a bed to standing is a big fucking difference for that person, you know, and, and it's not necessarily the real hyper-specialized methods that we need to get attached to, to achieve those goals. So like, I think we do a lot more right than we do wrong in terms of general strength training practices. And I actually think the biggest missing component, more so than chasing extra small inches of mobility um, in these kind of, these extreme ranges, the the biggest thing that we're missing out on is that assessment component. And I imagine that like the FR, the FRA, the assessment course is actually one that's probably worth doing much like RTS is worth doing because it focuses on assessment. Like you need to know the, like what is the prerequisite that is required for this person to complete the task. And for example, if it's walking up the stairs for an elderly person, then the prerequisites for them to achieve that can be attained through your regular strength training practices that you probably, if you're a personal trainer, that you probably, you know, put into practice every day with your own clients. And I don't think we need to necessarily step away from our normal tools, i.e. barbells, um, machines, free weights, band resistance, whatever. Like, I don't think we need to step away from that to think about mobility. I think, like, the, the way people often think about mobility um, and maybe the way people maybe extrapolate some of the FRC stuff, I'm not saying they say this, is that we need to get into positions that are really, really uncomfortable in the extremes of our range and try to gain control there. Whereas I just don't think that is the biggest priority for a lot of people. I think proper assessment for standard resistance training practices is going to give you a much greater return on investment. But as you pointed out, Paddy, it is a hyper-specialist practice to focus on the extreme ranges, assuming that the person actually needs it. Like, you know, as, as Dewey was saying, he does do Brazilian jiu-jitsu. So it is very clear that you are going to have to move more so towards the integration and improvisation side of things there and, and get into positions that are absolutely not conventional under forces that are absolutely not controlled. And that's where you start to move from the real extreme ranges in quite strange positions to then exposing yourself to those unexpected positions in in that actual sport um so that stuff yeah i'm i'm in, i'm not saying that that stuff's going to be covered by your regular resistance training machines absolutely not but if you're most people it probably is yeah and this is something that like ido portal talked about maybe six or seven years ago um like I actually would be a big fan of Ido, even though I don't agree with everything he says, but that's the same with any person you meet. You're not going to agree 1,000% with everything they say. However, he talked about having a diverse movement diet, you know, and that is one of the areas that I think conventional resistance training, even if you are doing all the stuff that we talk about a lot of, you know, like actually looking at the, the strength profiles, the resistance profiles, and, you know, matching those and picking exercises to get strong in end ranges of motion and mid ranges and shortened ranges or whatever. And something that I think is missing from that is a lot of that is very 
singular planar, if that makes sense. Like it's all just back and forward. Like it's all horizontal plane, um, overhead stuff. It's all like squatting. It's all very like linear movements. And there is none of the stuff like they were doing in the F4C where you're doing something like uh, an internal or external rotation at the hip. You know, like obviously you are somewhat exposed to those and they even mentioned it there like when you get strong in a range generally you get this kind of carry over to about 15 degrees is what the research kind of says of ranges around it uh, which obviously makes sense when you when you go down to the cellular level um but something that i i think is missing from a lot of practitioners whether they are whatever modality they're in resistance training blah 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 whatever they just don't have a very diverse movement diet like they, they pick their movements, they become specialists in those movements. And obviously, anytime you become a specialist, you lose generaliz- generalism, whatever you want to call it, mm-hmm. generality. Uh, so you, you can't, like, everyone knows this intuitively, everyone knows this and has experienced this. Like, you can't be a 320 kilo squatter and be a marathon runner at the same time. You know, like, you can probably do well in both, but you're never going to be very hyper specialized at one unless you're just going to be very mediocre in another. And this is, again, what their their, their kind of stuff is. And, like, it, it kind of, I don't know, they had a bit of a, a stuff where, like, oh, this is all about health and this is about health. Man, like, people are living to the longest ever, arguably, in human evolution. And they're saying at the same time, they're like, oh, 90% of the population has shit hips or fucked and all this kind of stuff. And I'm like, well, clearly it's not about health. They also seem to hate Americans, which really kind of annoyed me. Um, <laughs> like they literally, they were like, oh, uh, the Americans, you Europeans are great. And I was looking around and I was like, you're in a room full of resistance, like trainers. Like obviously they're going to be great, but like you're just bagging on Americans because you have this perceived like, oh, American obesity. They're all shit. None of them care about their health. I'm like that's literally comparable to Ireland. Like, yep. We have we have similar obesity rates, so <laughs> it's it's a it's a null question. But yeah, they kept bagging on Americans, and I was like, no, I don't think you've experienced the rest of the world if that's what you think. Like Europeans are like, um, like maybe in Switzerland it is a bit different uh, because they have so much like nature around them. Like people did seem to be generally fitter and want like they may not be like going to the gym loads, but they did seem to be very active, doing a lot of walking, that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, that they they were kind of focusing biasing towards health, and I was like, well, like you don't actually really need this stuff for health. Like I would argue, being metabolically healthy and being strong in the mid ranges of motion, like being able to squat effectively, is going to make you more healthy than spending three hours a week on your hip internal rotation. You know, uh, in my opinion, anyway. Um, however. I do like that they did have a diverse or they did talk about having a, di- a diverse uh, movement diet. Like you couldn't even fucking move your toes effectively, which is disgusting, you know? Um, but like stuff like that, that they were talking about, you know, being able to lift your big toe, being able to lift your, your four other toes and put your big toe down and being able to like tap your big toe, being able to spread your feet, being able to like piano play baby toe down to big toe um, and stuff like that like I did like that they were focusing on that kind of stuff because in my opinion that is stuff that gets overlooked um, in a lot of people's practices especially resistance trainers they kind of go well if my squat is going up my lower body work is taken care of and it's like well your feet don't work effectively and this may not be affecting your ability to 
reduce force in your squat now, but it is holding you back somewhat in your ability to squat effectively because your foot isn't actually performing its function. You know, it's all squished up and stuff. So you're, you're, you're not like that, that. In my opinion, that's only going to lead to degeneration down the line. And I don't mean like that's definitely going to cause you to fucking your hips to explode or your knees to explode. But like, obviously if you're not able to use your foot effectively to balance, like you're going to have stuff like valgus knee and you're going to have these hip issues and stuff, but well, you're going to have is a bit strong, but the, you open yourself up to the potential for these things to go wrong. So having like having a focus where you're like, yeah, something like their, their cars practice you know, like, uh, what are they controlled articular rotations? I'm like, yeah, I can, I can get down with that. You know, let's check in with our body every single day. Let's go through our joints. Let's move them around. Let's see how they're moving today. Let's see if there's any ranges that maybe that's not exactly where I want it to be. And let, let's see if we can work on building the capacity of that joint, the range of that joint. I'm like, yeah, that's, that's perfect. It's just like how, if you're looking to lose body fat, you know, you might want to weigh yourself every single day. So you're like, I can, check in with myself every day, see that my practices are actually working and that I'm moving in the right direction. Like you're doing your, your cars in the morning. You're like, yeah, everything seems to be opened up. Everything seems to have a good range. You know, you're, you're making yourself somewhat more metabolically, uh, good because you're, you're moving at least, uh, to start your day. And obviously if you start your day with that kind of health in mind, like it does lead to a better, day health wise and um, so yeah it's something i'm like yeah that's, that's that's cool something i definitely enjoyed the only thing i was like ah, like i just in my opinion i didn't see why first of all people's minds were blown because i was like well this is just what you should be looking at when you're talking about strength training but i can understand like if i had gone to that like eight years ago or something i would have been in the same boat so i, I can understand that and um, i also didn't fully understand why they only did eccentrics and isometrics and i was like well like are we just going to ignore concentrics and i understand obviously they're doing it to get more time under tension but i'm like i'd rather i suppose it's kind of moving it down moving the needle down and having that more integration side of things uh, in my mind that's where i was thinking of things going i was like oh well this is where i would like to see things push but maybe i'm jumping the gun because they were only exposing people to this practice and they weren't giving you all the tools. They were just exposing you to their system, their method, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like I think people do generally focus on eccentric style loading when they are kind of doing mobility type work, like in general, um, which I think is partially them tricking themselves um, because you can kind of come up with this theoretical rationale based on like sarcomerogenesis and all this stuff, which, which doesn't really play out if you actually look at the the physiology and you understand what sarcomerogenesis means, when it takes place, how it is actually reflected in the body. Um, so yeah, look that up, do some reading. Um, it's probably not what you think it is. Um, but uh, like another reason that I think a lot of people focus more so on eccentric type loading when they're doing um, mobility type work is because you can you're always on an eccentric going to get far further into a certain range of motion because it is essentially a stretch. And the point at which you can tell the difference between am I in my active range of motion? Where am I in my passive range of motion? Is this fully passive? It's very difficult to 
kind of decipher when you're doing an eccentric, um, especially because you're always going to have sufficient force to then get out of that at the end because of stretch reflex to a degree, but also to due to the connective tissue. And along with that, like if you think about it, the concentric side of things, it's kind of harder to flatter yourself because you have to first stretch to get to the same end range position because you're not tricking yourself like you would be for an eccentric where you've got your body weight that is essentially pushing you into excessive range. And so, so that's why I think a lot of people do get, get caught up with that stuff when it does come to, to mobility type training. Um, and I can understand why people do it, but like realistically, this conversation, this stuff I'm talking about, it's the fucking minutia that you don't even need to be thinking about. Like, you know, if you're worried about whether your end range strengthening should be primarily concentric or primarily eccentric or what proportion of each, like you're probably, you, you don't even need to be worrying about mobility anymore. Um, but yeah, like being, using the end range of your concentric is absolutely useful. Um, but the reason that people find that difficult sometimes is because you first have to get to the end of your range, which requires an extensive eccentric, which generally involves you getting into your passive range of motion at which, from which you just kind of bounce out of then. So, so yeah, that's that, that they're just like, they're just nuances. Like, like overall, I think the FRC is a, it's a great, it's a great framework. It is a great course. It's something I would be recommending to people, but understand anatomy and understand exercise mechanics first, because if you don't, you're going to fall victim to getting attached to those types of methods, just like you would to any other type of method. Just like when people say that the squat, the bench, and the deadlift are the strength-building exercises. Again, they're just tools. And if you don't understand how muscles work, you don't understand anatomy, you don't understand how we adapt to strength training, then again, you're just going to get tied to the tools, just like you get tied to the diets. You know, we talk about this stuff all the time. So understand your shit and you'll be you'll be free. Yeah, yeah. like I, I agree with you. And it is definitely a course that if someone was like, oh, I want to understand more about getting stronger in my end ranges of position of end ranges of motion um and yeah i'd be wholeheartedly pushing people towards that but like you said i would obviously like people to have a fundamental understanding of the biomechanics anatomy before they actually get their teeth into this because i think it kind of misses a few steps um but i don't know if they cover that in their their functional range assessment I would presume they do. Um, but yeah, in my opinion, I actually, I mean, even though I haven't done the courses, I actually think doing Michael Golding's uh, style of RTS, um, I, I actually think you'd learn a lot more and not have a need to do FRC then. Would you agree? Or would you? Yeah, like I, I would agree. Like we're, as always, like we like to keep things in context. I'm a kind of a, like, I'm a kind of a big picture thinker when it comes to, like, if I look at the, yeah, so, like, when I look across the spectrum of my clients and I look at, all right, what are their needs right now? Like, very rarely, and I mean, is the, is the answer to that question going to be the last five degrees of shoulder flexion or the last couple of degrees of internal rotation at the hip? Like, it's just not something that I see as being a massively pressing issue, like, from an actual coaching perspective in terms of people not only reaching their goals, but also preserving their health. Like, you know, when it comes to the big pillars of people preserving their health in the long term, like the, our major priorities are going to be, right, how can someone maintain appropriate, like caloric intake and nutrient density, etc. 
over the long term, not only to give their body what it requires for its general metabolic processes, but also not to gain excess body fat and to support lean muscle mass over the long term. Like, like how can we facilitate that? Like, that's a big priority for health. Like, having sufficient activity, like just general activity. I'm not even talking formal exercise. That's a big priority. We need to nail that. Then having sufficient strength in the working muscles and joints, you know, throughout their ranges of motion, that's a big priority. But rarely am I ever going to say that the last couple of degrees of the range of motion is the bigger bigger, bigger priority for a client unless there is a very specific you know, let, let's say someone is at the end of ACL, is going through ACL rehab and they need the last couple of degrees of knee extension because they've actually lost that or someone post total knee replacement and they need the last couple of degrees of, of knee extension. Like they might never get it, but they need, may need to fight for it. But that's when those things to me become priorities. And, and I can see how you would need to prioritize very specific ranges of motion in some people, especially in some athletes that, that really need it. But like, I just don't think that um, the biggest priority for a lot of my clients is going to be the hyper-specialist um, mobility work. And again, just to, just to come back to it, like FRC was, was brilliant. But what I see as being, I, I suppose the only reason we're kind of making this podcast is to kind of get this message across. But the, where I see the issue coming in is people that go on these courses or get exposed to this kind of mobility type information and then become hyper specialized in just putting that out there and telling everyone that that needs to be their priority because I, I just don't think it's the case for a lot of people and i think it kind of misses the forest for the trees if you swap all of your focus from your regular sets of of squats to like for example like i'm just going to use the internal rotation example again like the extremes of internal rotation range of motion like i just think that kind of misses the forest for the trees so while you should absolutely be looking to maintain your joint ranges of motion that you require over time and improve them as required, I don't think that should come at the expense of good old old school resistance training, you know, however you want to you wanna package that up. So why not do it all at the end of the day? But if you were to pick one, like if you had to really choose between doing an, an isometric at the end of your range or doing a regular, you know, set of, set of barbell squats, like you're obviously going to choose the, the set of barrel squats because it's going to give you a better return on investment so just keep keep the bigger picture in mind when you're exposed to this stuff you know and by all means if if you wish to become more of a specialist a mobility specialist like us in the ends of your ranges then by all means do frc um because it, do, it does give you the tools to be fair yeah i think it was a good course overall if if you came to it with a lens that you're a new trainer, you want to learn more stuff and you want to get better at your job, you want to be able to help people, then yeah, definitely would recommend it. It would be a secondary course to, first of all, the courses we're going to be running. Uh, <laughs> um, and then but it would be second to the RTS stuff, even though I actually haven't done the RTS stuff. Um, just purely because I know from what you've said about them and... I've looked at some of Tom Purvis's videos, went to a seminar with him, even though it gave me severe, severe brain pain um, in a bad way. Um, they do generally have good information. At least Michael Goulding does. I can't say anything positive about Tom, but Michael Goulding, he was the boy. Um, 
Yeah, so it would be second to the RTS stuff. I would 100% bias the RTS stuff over the FRC stuff unless you already have this dynamic ability to understand anatomy and biomechanics and you're just looking for a few more tools in your toolbox with regards to how you can help clients that are looking to expand the range of motion that they already have which again like you say oh it's not going to be the priority for the majority of your clients but it will be the priority for some clients especially if you're looking at i don't know improving the powerlifter's ability to squat or bench press or do whatever you know like that is a large portion of the resistance training population and especially if you are a coach that does coach powerlifters or whatever you know maybe it is a valuable thing to go on um but, but yeah it's in my opinion i'm like oh, it's it's just a tool it was just a method it was just a system it didn't expand my overall knowledge in biomechanics my overall knowledge in anatomy which wasn't what i was expecting obviously but at the same time i would have liked to have seen them dive a little bit deeper with that kind of stuff my main takeaway from the course would be well, I already did it and I already did know it, but the main kind of thing that I liked that they taught was the, the movement diversity and telling people that, you know, maybe you should move in a lot of different directions and get strong there, you know, and like humans are supposed to. However, they did, like, again, as I said, I was like, they, even when we were doing the courses, like they didn't touch on some movements, well, some movement capacities that we have, but I suppose that does go more into the integration improvisation stuff and um, which they they don't have that's not in their realm their their thought process even though obviously it is because that's what their practices are you know but yeah i think i think that kind of wraps it up what's your overall opinion on the course you always said you'd recommend it and give me your top three takeaways that people will, will get from it yeah, to, to reiterate your point there about the kind of improvisation, that was actually one of the points. Like when I said I was going FRC, I was talking to a, a friend of mine who's also a physio, and he was saying, oh, why are you doing FRC? It's so slow and so controlled, you know, because, again, he's more attached to another type of system that is more so related to fluid movement, using your range of motions real fluently, and being able to move and, and get exposed to, you know, fast changes in direction and stuff like that. And again, that's just another method that is somewhere along that spectrum. So you can kind of see how all this stuff kind of fits together. Um, and it's kind of like the end of that little that little system you were talking about where, you know, you do the kind of more FRC control style type stuff and then you begin to improvise and you begin to expose yourself to those fucking unaccustomed situations in which you have to react and you have to really use your body in, in ways that you, you might never use it. Um, so, you know, it, it's all... It, all these systems, they're all somewhere on a spectrum and just keep that in mind. And the other, the, the take on point that obviously is something we've talked about many a time that I really liked from FRC that I think is valuable for us to just say over and over again is that for you to perform an exercise, you have to have prerequisite ranges of motion at each joint. So for example, if you are doing a squat and you do not have sufficient ankle dorsiflexion range of motion for you to do the type of squat that you're trying to replicate, because maybe you saw someone on YouTube do it. If you don't have that, then those that that has to be compensated for somewhere else. And similarly, you know, things like doing handstands, if you don't have sufficient wrist extension 
then again, that is going to be putting forces in places that you may not be wanting to be put, want to be putting forces, just like the chin-up example. If you don't have the supination, you probably shouldn't be doing chin-ups until you improve that supination or change your grip in the short term. So that's the stuff I really like. Like I'm just really interested in that in general when it comes to exercise selection. So I was glad that they, they really discussed that and they brought it, they told all those trainers that because I imagine that there was a lot of trainers in the room that maybe have not, that maybe don't have the same thought process as us. And I think if, if you were that person, you were newer to the industry, like it would definitely be of value. So I agree with you. I think RTS is something that's worth doing first. And the reason I say that is because realistically, a lot of people don't know where to start when it comes to learning anatomy and exercise mechanics slash biomechanics. So while we may have taught ourselves that, or in my case, actually being exposed to anatomy in college as well, it's just it's just very intuitive, Gary. <laughs> it gives you that sort of um, that 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 place where you can actually go and learn in a nice kind of neat way with Mr. Goulden. So yeah, RTS first. Obviously, obviously as well, we should mention that we do obviously discuss this stuff in the triage militia. But I didn't want to turn this yeah. into just <laughs> oh, you should come to our uh, our website and jo- join our militia uh, because we talk about this stuff too. But yeah, like obviously you're going through the entire article series that we have now running where it's like, let's discuss all of this. Yeah. The thing is cool. That's the other thing I, I mentioned in, in an email we sent out to, to y'all on the email list as well today. If you're not on that, get on that. But, um, like courses are really fucking expensive. Like Patty, I'm not, I'm not even going to say how much money we spent over the weekend, uh, in, in Zurich, but you guys don't even want to hear it. There's far too many numbers. Um, yeah, and we and we got hooked up as well because my mate lives in Zurich, like so, like we we had a cheap wish accommodation and stuff. Like we were paying accommodation. I looked up accommodation; it wasn't fucking cheap. Like yeah, so like you know, going to these courses for us, like that's easily a couple of grand out of the business account that 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 is not nice to be to be spending. So like if you're just someone that's interested, like the militia where we write about anatomy and you can have your questions answered, it's twenty five euro a month or seven euro a week. It's euro a day. Like it's nothing like, and we paid a couple of grand for one weekend. So, you know, you can kind of see uh, why maybe subscribing to something like the militia might be helpful um, or spending time teaching yourself online. If, if you don't, maybe you don't like us, like you're listening to this because you don't like us and you like laughing at us. That's cool too. You can go learn somewhere else. But, you know, I, I would definitely invest time self-educating before dropping hundreds of thousands of euros, which these courses do absolutely cost. Because again, RTS like I spent thousands going to the RTS courses as well. So it doesn't come cheap. But yeah, so overall, we're recommending F4C. It was good. We enjoyed it. Um, we got not much from it, but it did confirm our thought processes, which is always nice to have yourself validated. Um, in my opinion, yeah, I think RTS first. I think joining the militia is obviously your number one spot or at least a great place to launch you into all this stuff and then yeah if you want to bias more of end range strengthening like the frc have some nice tricks for that and they have some nice tools to add to your toolbox and um, but yeah for for you as an individual you obviously have to do that kind of cost benefit analysis where if you just get qualified in this what's it actually going to give you if you don't understand this biomechanics, this anatomy stuff, like it's not actually going to give you a huge amount, even though you'll obviously get a cert at the end of the day and can call yourself a functional range conditioning mobility specialist. Um, it's not actually going to give you a huge amount. Um, obviously, it gives you somewhat of 
a touch on the thought process. But in my opinion, if you understand the anatomy and biomechanics, it'll give you more of a thought process. Anyway, I am going to wrap it up here. If you do have any questions or anything you would like more information on, you obviously know where to contact us. Um, but yeah, I'm going to wrap it up here. Peace out, guys.